0: folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm excited because today I'm sitting here in front of somebody that it's taken months for me to actually get them physically in front of me to record a podcast episode. But that person is none other than Natalie Tibbs. And Natalie is the executive director of both Restoration Village and the Children's Advocacy Center of Benton County. And for those of you that know me, you know that I've really tried at least over the last year, year and a half to make sure to be really intentional about covering all of Northwest Arkansas. Because again, this is the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in the Ozarks. And we do life every day. And sometimes we do life messy. Sometimes we do life great. And you can't necessarily separate the two. And I think it's important for us to talk about everything that impacts us. And so one of the, I got a letter from a Listener that said, you know, it would really be great to cover some of the social services and some of the other organizations that are here in Northwest Arkansas that are making a difference in the lives of people. And Natalie's organizations are doing just that. And so I I said, you know what? I have to have Natalie on. She's a good friend of a good friend of mine, Mark Zweig. And you've heard me mention Mark on this podcast. He's actually the reason why I'm physically here today in Northwest Arkansas. So if you love this podcast and you love me, you have him to thank for me coming here because I would have never moved to Arkansas, not in a million years, but I'm here and I'm loving life. And this is where we're embarking upon almost eight years now. So that's a good thing. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Natalie Tibbs. Natalie, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. And I'm so excited that we were able to finally make our schedules work for today to happen.
0: Listen, I wasn't sure we were going to see this day, but like you said, I mean, you know, if anything that's worth having, you you can wait for it. So yeah, so I'm all good.
2: That was actually my method, Randy, <laughs> is you know just make the wait and build the excitement and the curiosity.
0: Sure, sure. <laughs> so listen, I'd love for you, just before we jump into the organizations that you represent and, and the great work that you're doing here in Northwest Arkansas, let, just give our audience a little bit of your background and your superhero origin stories, what we like to call it. So you can be just give us the kind of the, I, as I like to say, I don't know if you remember this, uh, you, maybe I'm dating myself, but we used to get cliff notes in high school so that if we didn't want to read Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet, we'd buy the cliff notes and the cliff notes were like an annotated version of the story. That, so that way we could get away with telling our English teacher that we did the assignment by reading the cliff notes. So give us the cliff note version of your superhero origin story.
2: Okay. Well, how far back do you want to go?
0: You can go back as far as you want to go and, and, and make it relevant to what you're doing and, and your, your mission and your life's work right now.
2: Well, I am not originally from Northwest Arkansas, though. I definitely claim it because while I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so not too far away, right. our family had moved here at, when I was six years old. And at that time, they founded Restoration Village. And so my parents are actually the founders of the two organizations that I am privileged to lead today. And so coming from Tulsa in a single family dwelling where it was just mom, dad and a bunch of kids and just a normal life of waking up, go to school. I was the only one at home with my parents because a lot of uh, all my siblings are a little bit older than me. So I'm the youngest of five. Oh, wow. And I am every bit of that baby of a family. And so while they were at school, just me hanging out at home with mom, I went to kindergarten in Tulsa and then we moved here that summer and I started at a small private school so I would consider myself a small town girl ish considering how small Rogers Arkansas was yeah 30 something years ago but growing up from that point on looked very different because I lived in the ministry that my parents were leading and so They began to lead this women's shelter that served women, single women, as well as women with children who had experienced some form of trauma. So they were escaping domestic violence type situations or homelessness or other forms of trauma and seeking shelter at Restoration Ministries. And with that ministry, they were getting safe shelter. They were getting access to counseling services and, you know, really just pulling those individuals out of crisis mode and trying to help set them up for success to be independent and living in safe, healthy lives from then on. And so I built a life in a home with who we were serving and didn't think anything of it because it's just the, what I always knew. And then I became, you know, the typical bratty teenager, like, this is so stupid and I can't believe this is where my parents are choosing to raise me. But my 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 friends thought it was the coolest thing ever because they thought it was a, this huge mansion that I got to live in. If you don't understand, you know this is crazy place. But I always said that I grew up in a nut house because there it was just there was constant things going on and just exposed to a lot of really hard things that most people wouldn't experience in their lifetime. And here I was a child growing up in that and just seeing the effects of trauma. Live and in person with these individuals, and you know, kids just not understanding how kids could experience things. I I learned at a very young age the word rape and the word, you know, and and sexual assault, and I just I couldn't understand how kids my age were experiencing these things, and and how could anybody let that happen? And so at that point, I thought, well, I'm going to be a counselor because I want to help these people. And then I'm, you know, as I got a little bit older, it was like no, peace out. I'm out. I don't want to (laughs) have anything to do with this. This is insane. I think I'm moving to New York, actually, because I want to get as far away as I can from this, because apparently they don't have hard things happening in New York. I don't know what my thinking was there. (laughs) But then, I, you know, life took its own turn, and I was thinking I was headed to go play college sports, but instead I Chose to go to the community college and pursue a nursing degree and working in the emergency room. I worked in uh, the Fayetteville Central Emergency Systems. And so I've worked on the ambulance Mm -hmm. and so clearly had this thing for crisis and trauma response. And once I got in a nursing school, I'm like, but hospital nursing, you know, the ambulance, that life isn't something that I want to sustain. I did have a son at this point, and so wanted to just build a life that supported myself and him. And out of nursing school, I got this job as a sexual assault nurse examiner, oh, examining wow. pediatrics and adolescents and then getting again certified to do adults right out of nursing school. and so I got exposed immediately to the World of the Children's Advocacy Center and became the full-time nurse there at the CAC. So my entire Career outside of college has been working in abuse and trauma. But again, my parents found founded not just Restoration Village, but out of the work there at Restoration Village, they founded the the work at the Children's Advocacy Center. So I didn't get very far,
0: right. uh, and
2: found myself <laughs> um, working in the field. And I'm married. We have seven children, and they're ranging from the age of three to adult. Wow! And so we have a Beautiful situation of his, mine, ours, and theirs. Yeah. So it's it's a beautiful mess of a circus.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> but
2: it is our story, and I don't think we would change a thing about it. So. Oh
0: man! Well, I love hearing that, and and I and I you would almost say that Restoration House, soon to be Restoration Village, was almost like a proving ground for you, unintentionally, really. If you think about it, that ultimately helped you to morph into the role that you're in now and gave you a bird's eye view of things where you found your life's calling at probably at a young age and then it just eventually evolved for you.
2: It's a beautiful story of being able to be exposed to that pain and that suffering and those circumstances where I didn't have to live through them and experiencing them myself. And working with a lot of clients who've experienced some of these things That's one of the first things they'll say is, Well, you don't understand because this hasn't ever happened to you. Right. And while they're correct to some degree, I can say, but I grew up exposed to this from a very early age where a lot of people can't. And so I do know what you're going through and I do understand and I do want to help. And helping doesn't mean we have to fix it. And, you know, I learned that just being there was more powerful than having the solution to it all. Yeah. And learning to see somebody at their level and to value them and to say that they are important and they are loved, like are are some of the most powerful words we can ever say. And to be able to do that in a faith-based environment, it's truly just remarkable the transformed stories that we've been able to witness. And I'm thankful for those years while difficult at times, I absolutely believe that it's what's made me who I am today.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, you know, and I have to ask us because I'm sure some people are wondering, how were you able to kind of compartmentalize things, though, you know, in in the sense that you still have to live your life and you still have to do what you do. Right. And I'm sure there's maybe some people there might be a young lady or a young man that's listening to this podcast that wants to get into this profession, but they're thinking, man, every night I'm going to come home carrying all this baggage with me, all of the problems of, of life that other people have that I will ultimately internalize. How did you deal with that?
2: I think you have to embrace the fact that it is going to change you. Who you were prior to working in this field is no longer who you're going to be. And that's A good thing. It should change you. Yeah. But let it change you for the better. And so many people want to rush in with their capes and save the day, but then they want to go home and leave it all at the door. You can't do that. There's no way to do that because these are human beings and these are some of the most horrific stories you'll ever hear. It's going to change you and it's going to hurt. Yeah. It's supposed to. But having the ability to, understand what your role is in those moments and what the impact really is you're not going to see results in that moment necessarily and you may not ever get the opportunity to see those results but they aren't for us to always see sure, sure and it's bigger than us and it's bigger than ourselves and we have to understand we're part of the ripple right but what part of the ripple is key to success and compartmentalizing in some sense, I feel like I'm the queen of that because there's so many different things going on, but also knowing when to feel and when to just say today was rough and today I need a low key night. I need whatever I need, whatever it takes to regenerate that cup and to fill that cup again so that I can walk back in the doors tomorrow morning and give it just as much effort as I did yesterday. I need to have a lot of self-awareness and know what it is that fills my cup. And, you know, for me, Jesus is at the heart of all of that and the role that he plays in the healing of the broken, but also the gifts that he has given me to be able to be part of these stories and to be part of this healing process and to be able to use those skill sets. And for so many years, it was nursing and then becoming a leader since then. I would often say, I'm just a nurse. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to lead an organization. I don't know how to lead other people but not realizing like all the years, like it wasn't just nursing, it wasn't just living there, but like how that built this incredible story and part of the journey to get here.
0: Yeah. I mean, the preparation piece of it is you can't ignore it. And uh, a lot of it is, you know, like I, it's like, I tell my kids all the time, I, I have a 17 year old and you know, these kids nowadays, I mean, and, and again, I'm not pleased. I'm not getting on kids. I'm just saying most kids, I was like this. I'm sure you are like this. We all want this microwave version of ourselves where we can just in an instant see the change and all that. And I'm like, man, this takes time. It takes effort. You've got to put the work in in order to see the results. And you've put the work in over the years and now you're seeing the results of it. And you're in a position where you're able to help other people that are coming along behind you. Help them cope with what they're going to see and help them to be the best version of themselves so that when they are, and I'm using air quotes now, when they are on and representing your organization with all the individuals that they're helping, that they're able to bring their best self to the forefront.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, the standard of services that we're providing should be the best, the best that we can. Of a response to these traumas, and so the only way for us to do that, though, is for people to be willing to bring their best. Yeah, and we can only do that when we've taken care of what we need to, and then also recognize that some days we're just gonna be off because the story is too hard. You know, we had every day is trauma and crisis response at, at both agencies, and so to say that one day wasn't hard would be ignorant of me but there are just some days that are like extra hard. (laughs) And, you know, And so just trying to look at what does our organization do as a response to that? And how do we take care of our people to make sure they can keep in that fight? You know, what's our role as an organization for that? But then helping the individuals know like what their role is for taking care of themselves as well. You know, there's only so much we can do. I, I love that. That saying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. Right. Cause it's so true. And I see that with people who want to get into this field, like, I'll bring you to it and we'll set you up for success with all of these things. But at the end of the day, coming the next one, that's up to you. Yeah. And coming that next day with your best self, like, that's up to you.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you kind of teed it up when talking about some of the services. I would love for you just to give our listeners a better understanding. Of all the things that you do through the CAC and through Restoration Village. You talked about helping single mothers, but just kind of walk us through just the overall picture of the services that you offer. Because maybe somebody's listening to this that has a niece or a sister or somebody that needs some help and they haven't really known where to go. They didn't dial 211, they didn't reach out to like Hark Accelerate. We were talking about them earlier. There are a lot of organizations that are here to help individuals that are in crisis in Northwest Arkansas. Sometimes they're like the best kept secrets. And we don't want these organizations to be the best kept secrets anymore. We want people to be aware twenty four seven that these services are available to them, that there are people out there like you and others that you work with and other peers in the industry that are here to help people in crisis. So I'd love for you just to kind of give us just the fullest picture that you can of the services that you offer and how, how that kind of breaks down.
2: Absolutely. The services that both agencies offer began with Restoration Village in 1989, but it was through serving women and children there that we recognized the need for something that responds much earlier in the process and that's what birthed the Children's Advocacy Center in 2000. And so the services that the CAC could offer now are when there's a concern that child abuse may have occurred, you know, and I want to stress we're not needing it proven prior to the CAC providing those services because that's the point of the CAC is to coordinate with those agencies to identify what really happened. So when there's a concern, then An investigative agency can then notify us about a child and whatever the allegation is. And that child is referred to the CAC for an advocate to work with the family, to work with that child and just to kind of help them in that crisis mode and just to be a support system for them through the entire process. They can connect them to any resources that they may need, but then they're going to facilitate to the next part of the process, which is a forensic interview. And this is where somebody who is trained in talking to children on their developmental level on what may have happened. And that interview is going to not be where, you know, an interviewer just asks a bunch of questions and and these questions are, did this happen? Or so they're very indirect questions, more about saying things like, tell me about home. Tell me about what you do. Tell me about school. Tell me about what you know about being here today. So it, it's done in a way that allows the child to tell their story. Yeah. And then by being trained to talk to kids and their development level, because I mean, you're not going to talk to a three-year-old the same way you would a 16-year-old. And prior to CACs, law enforcement officers, or other investigative personnel, they were only trained in one method, which is interrogation methods. Sure. Well, we can't interrogate children, and we can't interrogate victims. That's a completely different interviewing process, and that should be done in a child-friendly, neutral setting, and that's what the Children's Advocacy Center can provide. So it's fact-finding, and it can facilitate the rest of the investigative process. And so a forensic interview, it's just the forensic interviewer and the child in that room. The investigators are in another room watching that live, but we're eliminating the pressure of having all these people at a table talking to kids, and we're also eliminating multiple interviews on average, those interviews were happening around 15 different times. And I mean, we're talking about talking to a child about a very traumatic incident for over 15 times. So here, a traumatic incident, a child is being asked over 15 different times to tell that story, what's going to happen? They're either going to shut down or the details might change because the questions have changed, or they're just going to get to the place where they feel like well because people keep asking me i must be getting the the answers wrong right. so now i'm going to change the answer completely cuz maybe this will stop all the interviewing questions so it eliminates all those interviews down to one from there that advocate is going to facilitate the process to a medical examination should it be needed so our nurses are trained to do examinations based on the allegation so if it's sexual abuse if it's something that just happened recently where evidence can still be obtained from the child's body or their clothing. They can do that within the walls of the Children's Advocacy Center. They don't have to refer to an emergency room where they'll wait hours and hours and then be potentially examined by somebody who has no idea what they're doing. This is a specialty. And so our nurses are trained in this specialized field to be experts in that. From there, we're offering counseling services. And that counseling service isn't just... For the primary victim, it can also be for the siblings because the abuse impacts the entire family. And so, parents, you know, it's not marriage counseling, but it is counseling as it's related to the abuse scenario and how to support each of them and the exposure that they had to that incident. And all of those services are completely free of charge to the child and to the family because of the 501c3 nonprofit status. But from there, if there's shelter needs, if they're needing to escape a situation, a mom and her children would be eligible for the shelter side of Restoration Village, and there they're they're offering, of course, shelter. Which on average, the stay is about six months. Okay, but it can. The unique thing about Restoration Village is that it's long term, so we're not looking to fix everything within thirty days or forty five days. Push them out because you can't. Right. right. And what are you pushing them out to? Yeah. Rebuilding your life does not happen on a timetable. And so, you know, we're looking at getting them out of crisis mode, which could take about one to three months, depending on the situation. And then from there, goal setting. And depending on those goals, it could take even three years to be able to sustain affordable Healthy, safe, independent living. Wow. So we're connecting them to advocates, to um, legal services, to counselors, just to other enrichment activities. You know, we really look at healing in a holistic way, just something that has to be very comprehensive because we're no good if we're only approaching trauma from one angle. And so trying to look at all the different ways that we that trauma impacts one's life and how can we help connect them to the appropriate resources so that we are successful.
0: Yeah. So you guys have partnered up with a lot of local organizations and agencies.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So it's not like you're, I was going to say Rolodex. Somebody, somebody might say, what is a Rolodex? But you don't, I mean, you, your Rolodex is well-worn and, and you know where to go based on the, the particular situation that you're trying to address.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. We would not be successful if we weren't working with other agencies. Yeah. Those partner agencies, you know, especially the multidisciplinary team, you know, we work with DHS, we work with Arkansas State Police Crimes Against Children Division, we work with local law enforcement, our prosecuting attorney's office, we work with other mental health agencies, we work with other nonprofit agencies that are responding to child abuse, but in a different capacity. because. What we do helps lay the foundation for success in some of those other areas. And we have to be working together and should be working together because that's what helps complete the puzzle, in essence.
0: What about the local school systems?
2: Oh, absolutely. Okay. So one of the other services that we provide, though it's not a direct service to clients in one form, we serve the community at large from a training and education standpoint. And so we do have an education component, and that component goes into youth serving organizations, especially schools, to equip them with what's called your first response or mandated reporting, as some people know it, to help equip mandated reporters on signs and symptoms to look for. You know, how to handle when you suspect something or when a child does disclose something to you as a professional or you witness something, yeah. what do you do with that information? How do you approach the child? What kinds of questions are appropriate to ask in that crime, in that initial scene, I, I guess you could say, and then how that sets up for success for the investigative process, because you don't want to inhibit what they need to do investigatively by asking the wrong questions initially. And so we try to provide the tools to school systems, daycare systems, churches, in any other youth-serving organization to be equipped for those situations.
0: Okay. So Restoration Village is located in Rogers?
2: That's correct. Okay. So they're both actually located in Little Flock.
0: Little Flock, mm-hmm. right. Okay. So are you just serving Benton County right now, or do you also help out Washington County?
2: The Children's Advocacy Center services families within Benton County only because okay. there are sister agencies all across the state, who serve other counties within Arkansas. But Restoration Village, the shelter side of it, can serve anywhere from the state or even out of state. I mean, it is not uncommon for us to get requests from out of state because there's not many programs like that, if any, across the nation.
0: Okay. All right. So you're kind of you covering quite a bit of, of area, basically. Absolutely. So, all right. And I, I know recently you've hired some new people. You're always adding staff. What are your biggest needs if anybody's listening to this and they're like, "Oh man, I am so moved by what Natalie is doing and the rest of her team, what, what are some of the resources or things that you guys can use as an organization that somebody can either donate or give to you or you know what, what is really helpful for your organization?: or-
2: Well, both agencies do maintain a wish list on their website, okay. and so there's tangible items on both of those lists of Things that we could use on an ongoing basis, or maybe there's some unique needs that we may have at the moment. You know, just as simple as some coloring books or gel pens or some fidget toys, things that can help calm a child in crisis. that space because yeah, mm-hmm. sure. they're coming in crisis and they may have just left their forensic interview room, but they could spend hours at our agency between all the different services. And so, any tools that help our staff facilitate a calming space for our kids and and the parents as well, because that's incredibly vulnerable and scary as a parent to be sitting in that space and just the unknown. And so we're, we're constantly looking for items such as that or items to stock our counseling rooms. And so I would encourage people to go there. We are volunteers has been something that is not built back up since covid we had incredible volunteer bases prior to covid of course once covid hit we lost most if not all of that and building that back up you know i almost every day hear one of our staff make some comment man we used to have volunteers that helped us do this help us do that we would love to be able to build our volunteer base again.
0: Is there a way for volunteers to sign up on your website?
2: There is. So <clears throat> okay. they can go to our website and just fill out a, a co- like one of our What's connection the website forms. cacbintonco.com okay. or restorationvillage.net.
0: And we'll put all of that in the show notes, but I just wanted you to mention it on the podcast so people that might be feverishly writing down or taking notes say, "Okay, I got that. Let me just reach out to them." So.
2: Yes. And then we've got two big events coming up, and we're so excited to be hosting those in person. Restoration Village has an Aim for Advocacy event, and that's August 6th. And so for anyone who loves to be outdoors and they enjoy shooting clay, it's a clay shoot, and it's going to be at Spring Valley Rod and Gun Club in Gravit. There's teams that can form together, and that's a reduced price, or individuals can sign up. And there's still a few sponsorship levels available as well for that. That's going to be next month. That is the main fundraiser for Restoration Village. And then if shooting clays isn't your thing, (laughs) then we also have the Cherishing Children Dinner and Awards presentation that's going to be at the Rogers Convention Center in September. And that supports the Children's Advocacy Center and we have the event chairs, John Laney with Walmart. And then the guest speaker is Christina Meredith, who is a former Miss California. Okay. And, but has just this incredible story of what she overcame as a child that relates to the work that we do, but just how having appropriate People in place that could help empower her and set her up for success. I mean, she was homeless. I believe she was impacted by the foster care system, you know, child abuse and trauma. And so just really look forward to hearing her story. And so that, again, individual tickets can be purchased online or tables can be sponsored as well.
0: And all the information for both of these programs are on your website. That's correct. And these are annual programs. So if somebody's listening to this nine months from now, they can expect that this these programs will be happening again in 2023. Yes. Okay.
2: There's a lot of exciting things on the horizon on how these two organizations serve the community. Mm-hmm. And so how these events look in 2023, I can't guarantee. But yes, there will be events similar to this at that time. You can always go give us a like and a shout out on social media, Sure. you know, increasing followers on that. I don't know that our Maybe our community knows, but I don't know how powerful they realize just liking that and sharing some of those posts are because that builds awareness. Sure. And so, by following both of the agencies and following our journey and our story, it really makes a difference in the reach of who we can be able to get our story out to.
0: Yeah. And I want to encourage people that are listening to this that, again, just visit I am Northwest You can look up the show notes for this particular episode and You shouldn't have any problems. You can even just search Natalie's name, Natalie Tibbs, T-I-B-B-S, and you'll find, or you could search Restoration Village or Children's Advocacy Center, and you'll find all the information on the show notes for this particular episode, along with all the links to the website for Restoration Village, the website for CAC, and Natalie's contact information in case you want to directly reach out to her or you want to, you know, buy her whole team Starbucks for a year or something like that, because I'm sure caffeine goes a long way in the work that you guys do. Am I right? Absolutely. Loving
2: on my team. Oh, man. (laughs) Northwest Arkansas, they could use it. Yeah. Uh, That is one of the best ways that you can serve victims impacted by trauma is supporting the workers who show up every day to do it. Yeah. They love food. Yeah. Mexican food, especially. So okay. it's, you know, there's there you always go. an option. We'll have
0: to talk to Chef Rafael Re- Reos from um, Yeo's. So, oh, you know, I'm sure he might might work something out with the work that you guys are doing and, and that he's right in your backyard. So we
2: would never say no to that.
0: Yes. I will have to mention it to him <laughs> when I talk to him next time. So that's for sure. Well, Natalie, this is great. This was well worth the wait. OK. And I'm glad that we had a chance to bring you guys on to talk about the amazing work that you're doing. And, you know, I don't want to make light of it by just saying, well, I can check that box. It's it's important that people know this story, that they know your story and what you're doing on a regular basis, what gets you up each day, because it does make a difference in the lives of so many people that if your organization and the services that you offer didn't exist, I mean, we would have so many more problems, you know, in this world and, and, and in our own little neck of the world here in Northwest Arkansas. So I appreciate from everybody here all the work that you guys are doing at Restoration Village and at the CAC and so we want to con- just uh, continue to encourage you to keep fighting the good fight and know that there are people behind you that want to see you guys be successful that all the resources that you could ever need will just flow to you guys like never before so we're really excited about what you're doing and and what's to come so we look forward to having you back at some point in time in the future To talk about some of the great things that are happening, uh, in Northwest Arkansas with your organization. We'd love to have a day where there isn't any more child abuse, but, but the reality is, is that we know that that's not going to always be the, that's not going to be the case. There's always going to be some challenges out there, but with people like you and your organization and what you're doing to make a difference in the lives of individuals, we can rest a little easier at night knowing that we are making a difference. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast.
2: Randy, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for allowing me to tell our story. You know, you mentioned eliminating child abuse. That's actually the vision for Children's Advocacy Center. And while we cannot eliminate every single situation, we do 100% believe that the work that we're doing today impacts the elimination of because it breaks a cycle. And we have witnessed where it has broken those chains and, you know, when being able to provide shelter for women and children while the mom experienced some terrible things maybe she was able to get out before the the children were impacted physically yeah um not emotionally but physically but because she was able to get out because of the support system they were able to grow up and say no yeah this is what we can do different and their children weren't going to be harmed. And then we broke a cycle because of the support that Northwest Arkansas provided through these two different ministries. So we do believe that we are eliminating child abuse by breaking cycles. And I'm you know, just so grateful to be able to tell that story today.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again. Well, folks, that's another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode with Natalie Tibbs, Please visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can also listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. You can subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it, and please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Remember, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another episode
1: on I Am Northwest Arkansas.